Yeah, so one of the things about my job also is that, like, some of the people who have been there for years have nicknames. So, like, one girl is named Thunderclap, apparently because of her booty. Um, <laughs> there's a guy... Good. Oh my god! There's a guy named Baby Nuts. Um, and no, another guy named Glitterbeard. I during this. I'm gonna I like that name the best. Yeah, Glitterbeard's chill. He's a clown. Baby Nuts is a clown, too, but he's kind of, like, high-strung Baby sometimes. Nuts the clown! <laughs> mm-hmm. I wonder why. <laughs> no. right. I'm sorry, Marty. Are you okay? Baby, baby nuts the clown. <laughs> oh god, this is the best name for a clown I've heard ever. This is true. You got your Pennywise's and shit in there. That's boring. Baby nuts is where it's at. <laughs> True. True. Baby nuts, the high strung clown, and then he does like a dance, <laughs> or his ass cheeks clap. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, the podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting all the horror films of Netflix. Um. I'm going to throw a riot, though, because The Babadook is no longer on Netflix, and I'm upset. Mm-hmm. I still think this counts in the Netflix horror movies, though, because this was where most- Oh, it definitely most... counts. It's like the the most- like, the whole Babadook meme is because of Netflix. Yeah. It like, cannot escape association. A... Yeah, exactly. This is a Netflix staple- so it, it will mm-hmm. always be on Netflix in our hearts, but I do wish that Netflix would bring it back because, come on, it's the Babadook. Mm-hmm. Yes. You gotta. You gotta, but I think it's really fitting that this one won the poll because it's like spooky pride. Uh, Halloween has been like dubbed Christmas for gays. Um, yeah. And Babadook has now been associated with gay culture. Due to a beautiful icon. mix. Yes, he is a gay icon. Baba Duck got us Baba Shook. Um, Baba Yas. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring it back a second because I'm glad you mentioned Spooky Pride. So, the Lunar Light Network, which is the lovely group of people that we are associated with through our podcast. Um, they are doing a fundraiser drive for our Patreon right now. And... If you donate to our Patreon between now and November 3rd, you will have access to all sorts of cool, awesome rewards um, outside of, like, the normal benefits for Patreon donors, because we always have, like, cool bonus podcasts and stuff for our Patreon donors and access to our Discord server, access to live streams. Um, But if you donate during our Spooky Pride fundraiser drive, you will have... There's a desktop wallpaper being drawn by Ross, and Marty is contributing to it as well, of all of the Lunar Light podcasters dressed in Halloween costumes. It's adorable and spooky, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just go, great. go I love it check too. that out. Definitely. You don't have to. Um, if you don't have the money to, we totally understand. But anything that you can contribute really does help us out a lot as a network. We have you know, website domains to pay, um, our, the service that we use to host all of our podcasts 
that it's helpful to have funds to go towards stuff like that, towards better technology and things of that nature. Maybe one day we'll even have a studio and won't be recording in my closet with, I think, hmm, I'm pretty sure the Babadook is in here with me. Oh! Yeah, probably. Tell him to come out of the closet and be his best self. Duck. It starts with a dubstep and he's like doing one of those like squat things that drag queens do. Yes. It's just a rude sandstorm, but instead of like the dudes, it's just dukes. I told you guys the story about the ridiculous dubstep song they play at my work. The clown song. Yes. Yes. It's the best dubstep song. They were playing it like, especially last night. I feel because it's on a loop with like, they only have about five songs that they play. Mm -hmm. Um, And I swear last night, though, they were playing it like more than they usually do. Because I just (laughs) kept hearing it. They're like like, really in the clown spirit. Yeah. They saw Baby Nuts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, but anyways, I you had mentioned the poll, so I'm gonna bring it back to that. Thank you mm-hmm. to everyone who gave us suggestions. We will most likely cover all of those eventually because you guys suggested really good movies to us. Mm-hmm. Oh I yeah. Would, I don't know what I expected, but I guess I was like, you know, there was a part of me that was like. Oh god, please don't suggest human centipede. Oh. Um, and nobody did. I don't People know if it's on Netflix like, anymore. Really good movies. Well, thank god I don't if it's think not. It is. You know, one time when I was a kid, I had a fantasy of buying every single copy I could find and just smashing it in the parking lot of my local Walmart. That's amazing. That it would have been, man. but, like, then I realized I would have had to buy it, and, like, they would have gotten my money, and they're like, we don't care how many copies you destroy as long as you buy it. And then I'm like, no. <laughs> you could just steal yeah. I could, but, like, that would probably go more against the video store than, like, the movie itself. Anyway, that yeah, doesn't matter true. when I can buy as many copies of the Babadook as I want. Yes. Yeah. Which is an excellent horror film. Excellent. It's so good. I- I'm really glad. I'm surprised we haven't already talked about this. I guess, like... Yeah, I know. I kind of avoided it because I feel like it's been talked about a bunch already by, mm-hmm. like, other people. But yeah. you know what? We have unique takes on things. So let's talk about the Babadook. Let's do it. The I... Babadook. Duck. Duck. Oh, my goodness. So should we do, like, a quick summary yeah, yeah probably. Will you take, do you mind doing that, Hannah? Just like really quickly. I think most people are familiar with this film by now, but for those who don't know, what is The Babadook about? The Babadook is about, oh God, what is her name? No, Amelia. Amelia. Amelia, thank Amelia. you. Amelia yes. is a single mother raising her very rambunctious child. Her husband died in a car crash that happened while she was they were on their way to the hospital to deliver, to deliver her son, Samuel. And now it's been a couple of years. He's seven. Um, and he's a little peculiar, a little bit rambunctious. He's, he's got some growing pains. And Amelia is just worn out. And then one night, she uh, finds this 
children's book on Samuel's shelf called The Babadook, and they read it together. And, you know, if it's in a word or if it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. And it talks about how this this boogeyman-type figure is going to come invade their house. And slowly she starts seeing these terrifying images of the Babadook and hearing these strange phone calls. And uh, as the Babadook becomes more present in her life, she becomes more... She, like, becomes possessed by it and is like filled with rage and anger and it starts to threaten her son and herself and it just it almost consumes her uh should i describe the ending um no let's leave that Mm open-ended i mean again i think most people have probably actually seen this one but if they haven't i don't really feel like giving away the ending because it's really interesting and we can talk about that in, like, analysis later anyways. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I feel like if we're going to talk about this film and everything we have to say about it, I, I do want to bring up the ending because it is something that I think makes it a lot different than most horror movies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's still save that for later, though. So right. if for some reason you yeah. haven't seen The Babadook, um, go stop what you're doing. Watch it. It's so good. Um, unfortunately, it's not on Netflix, but you could eh, it's, you could probably find it somewhere. I mean, I I ended up just buying it because I love it so much, and I've rewatched it a bunch. But I think you can rent it on iTunes or YouTube or mm-hmm. wherever. Yeah, yeah. And like a great thing about this film is by watching it, you're supporting a woman filmmaker, Jennifer Kent, who wrote and directed this beautiful, beautiful piece of art cinema oh my gosh yes this was also her directorial debut her first film which is amazing Mm-hmm. and we recently saw her follow-up film the nightingale which is also it's just also devastating really but in like a completely different way like it's not like a a horror movie but it will completely just destroy you in the best way yeah yeah it ma- like it seriously made me stop and like cry afterwards. Like I could, I like I could not open my mouth. I was like that, uh, full of emotions. <laughs> yeah, but I think the Babadook is the one horror movie so far that legitimately still scares me. Like I'm not really scared of a lot of horror movies because like Freddy Krueger. I know he's not real. I know it's some dude in a mask. Um. And, like, nothing kind of like Freddy Krueger scares me, but what the Babadook represents um, feels very real to me, and just the the portrayal of that terror is something that is so grounded in realism, despite having this surreal quality to it, that when I watch it, like, rewatching it, I was still scared of this movie. Like, it's the only film that legitimately terrifies me, and I really... A value that experience because yeah. I don't get to have it a lot watching movies anymore. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I think a lot of it has to do with how sympathetic the characters are. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, really feel for both the mom and the son because they're in a tough position. Yeah. Like, the son is acting out a lot, but like, I mean, he's just doing it because like he's in a stressful situation and that's how he responds to stress. But like, you can't really blame the mom either because she's been through this terrible tragedy and she has a very stressful life and like her son's being kicked out of school and 
throwing fits and and then she's being stalked by a monster so but the the performances do such a great job from both of them I feel like of mm-hmm. like really making you sympathize with the characters and like you you don't want anything bad to happen to them mm-hmm. well apparently yeah. Jennifer Kent because she started out as an actress um, went to school with um, the the main actress who plays Amelia. Um, oh, and, really? Yeah, she like wanted her to be in this movie. That's really cool. Yeah, I like yeah, that. That's it's... awesome. Cause like I I don't know who won the Oscar for best actress in 2014, but like personally, I I think she she should have. Yeah, yeah. She's I I would so agree with that. Good. I mean, if this movie had been nominated, which Brings us back to, I know we've had this discussion, like, a couple times already on this podcast, but, like, nominate more international movies for Oscars, please. So this is an Australian film, um, which, like, horror films, at least until Get Out recently got nominated, horror films tend to be kind of ignored at the Oscars anyways, but, like, The Babadook has the double points against it of being a horror film and a foreign film, so... You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where Where was this? This was Australian, right? This is an Australian psychological horror film. Yeah. Sweet, man. Those Aussies got a very good understanding of pain. Yeah. For real, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so where sh- where to begin with this? Oh, where to begin? Yeah, I love. Like, how at first you really feel for this mom, because this kid is just out of control. But then by the end, it's completely flipped, like you were saying, Kyla. Where, like, you're like, oh man, this kid, he's he was right, he's got the right idea. Because they do a really good job where... Uh, I looked up this, oh, what is it? There's this video essay I found called The Physicality of Horror. And it's a video essay on the Babadook that I really recommend seeing. Um, yeah, it's from the YouTube channel What's So Great About That. And it just really, it encapsulates really well that this is kind of a manifestation of depression. So it feels very ethereal and like almost like you can't touch it. But by the end, it is so concrete that yes, this thing is real and it can't, it's not going to go away like a traditional monster. It's something that will consume you, but you don't have to let it, let it um, control you. And it's, yeah. it can be managed and it can be it can be contained in a way or compartmentalized or something yeah i like that and i like that you kind of bring up the atmosphere of this movie because it is like a really surreal film um they use a lot of like the art style like even just the design of the babadook is very like german expressionism Mm -hmm. um going back to like some of the very first horror films so i just greatly enjoy that visual aesthetic um very muted color palette a lot of like high contrast and i i just really enjoy the visuals of it it's very interesting to look at and very has a very nice moody atmosphere yeah this this film i think does such a good job with the editing conveying like the passage of time and like there's a scene when the babadook like crawls on the ceiling and it's so scattered like a bug but it's so inhuman and unnaturalistic that it's it's just the right amount of creepy 
mm-hmm. re- not because surreal. I, yeah. I think it's because they use, um, like, stop motion techniques for, um, the, like, that kind of sequence. Um, like, when he's crawling up on the ceiling and stuff, it's moving, um, with frames that are, like, kind of, like, not in total sync, and that's, like, something that's used in stop motion a whole bunch, and it, it definitely makes the character look a lot more creepy, mm-hmm. um, because, like, it, it's not moving like a human person would. Yeah. Well, and the film starts out with her, like, having a dream of losing her husband in the the car crash, and just the way she, like, turns to it, and then the light of the crash engulfs her, and then she, like, falls through midair and back onto the bed and wakes up. is just this beautiful dream-like terror that just really sets the tone for the entire film. Yeah. Yeah, it's- it's beautiful. Like, it's, like, terrifying, but it's beautiful, the way it's shot. See, like, I understand the pacing and of action movies and how, like, they could go about saying, okay, this happens, then this happens. But when it's something like this, where it's more psychological drama and you have to create this slow burn of, of little things that build up into big things over time and end in this beautiful climax of, of venting frustration, I just am baffled at how, um... Jennifer Kent and the rest of the the crew created this this slow burn up into this which is my favorite horror climax because my favorite kind of confrontation is just this this inner rage and everything you are told to keep down and like you're not allowed to vocalize your pain you're not allowed to burn quote unquote burden others you're not burdening others with your pain and this film says like if you bottle that stuff long enough it's gonna control you and the only way you can gain back that control is if you let it out and own it mm-hmm. at least that's what I, that's my interpretation yeah yeah no i agree i think that's a really good way to word it yeah i i i think that's pretty pretty much on the nose hannah well do, and oh sorry oh i was gonna say do we want to then transition into talking about the end the way the yeah, film we ends. Could. Um, do we want to take a break first? Yeah, that's really a good idea. Yeah. Because we have some ads to do. Ads. Ads. Advertisements. Ads. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um. So we're gonna tell you about some other shows on the Lunar Light Network. The first show I'd like to talk to you about is The Good Boys Girls, which is about two girlfriends, Lily and Haley, and they love the McElroys, and they go through all the different media created by the McElroy family, and analyze, and discuss, and gush over, Um, and it's really cute and wholesome, so if you like stuff like that, definitely check it out. The other show I'd like to talk to you about is Mock Footage, which, as we speak, as of this week, you might see some people from Netflix and Kill on there. In fact, as of last week, there might be some people from Netflix and Kill on there. It was me! Yeah, you can check out their most recent episodes. Hannah was on one talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and this coming week we've got a little special one for Halloween. Yeah. We're going to be so, on there this Thursday. Yes. But seriously, go listen to that show. Even even the episodes that we're not on. Like, it's it's a really fun show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's Ray hilarious. Are two friends who love movies, and I don't know. I guess I'm biased because I love movies also, but it's like yeah. one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. It brings me so much joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, they just have such good ideas. The fact that they haven't taken over Hollywood yet is a crime that I'm against. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, honestly, we should, like, make that a Twitter hashtag. Just, like, Bob Iger who? <laughs> um, no. <Mark> Ray <laughs> and Joe should run everything. Yeah, hashtag Mark Footage Hollywood Takeover. Yes. Alright, now back to Netflix and Kill. Back, so- back, 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 back. Yeah! Yeah, back. Guess who's back? Back again. Duke's back. Tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, so this uh, ending emotionally wrecked me and saved me at the same time, which is the best ending in my opinion. This was the most appropriate intro to this part of the podcast that I could completely come up with. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. <laughs> yeah. Y'all both did a good job, because I, I, I completely agree, Hannah. This ending will, like, wreck you, but also... It's so perfect. Yeah. Well, the thing I love about horror movies is all these emotions and feelings that you're not supposed to show. Horror gives you a place where, like, the whole point is to be entertained by things that make you uncomfortable. And, like, this whole thing is, like, addressing your trauma head on. And, like, this whole film is about, like, taking this idea of motherhood and family and taking a hard, honest look at it because everyone always associates it with, like, oh, you have a kid, so you're happy. Oh, you should be... Like, the sister in the film is constantly saying, like, when are you gonna get over it? You just gotta get back out there. You just gotta get over it. Because we always say these things about, like, yeah, we'll be here for you, but a lot of the times when things get really hard and people tend to disappear because they don't understand the pain of, like, grief and depression and all these things, and what you really need is a support system and, like, addressing it for real, not just pretending it doesn't exist. Because when you pretend the Babadook doesn't exist, what is it? He says, like, the the deeper I go or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the conversation that um, she has with her sister... When her sister keeps saying, like, when are you going to get over it? And Amelia's response is, well, what do you mean? I am over it. I never talk about him and I never think about it. But, like, Obviously the movie brings up, I think, it. that, like, burying your grief is just as bad yeah. as, like, focusing too much on it. Yeah. Like, especially in the language of the movie, like, obviously this movie is about reconcile- reconciling your grief with your everyday life and, uh... You know, it, it's not something that you're going to totally get over. It's not something that you can completely ignore. And especially with the ending, like, you know, she's feeding the Babadook worms in her basement. But, like, she's also telling him, like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you're fine. It's okay. You don't have to be so upset. And, like, it's, like, shot in, like, you know, in a way where it's, like, we're looking at um Amelia's face like from above at and then it just like kind of lowers as she's like talking to the Babadook and like calming him down and it's like it's like that kind of like it's like showing the levels of like grief that she, like the level of grief going through it as she's addressing it like you know it, it, get, it gets back to the point where it's like on her level and like so that she can actually manage it and handle it and I it's like it's 
always amazing to me that you can just like get that language across with just a camera movement it's like crazy to me mm-hmm. yeah well in the basement is where she also keeps all of the the pictures and belongings of her husband who has passed and like she won't let her son have a relationship with him because she doesn't want to think about it anymore because she thinks denial is part of the moving on process when it's it's not grieving is like it's never a process that's finished like what was there was an analogy i heard um on tumblr where like it talked about how there's like a box and there's like a certain area that's like in red and when your grief starts it's like the red takes up most of the box and there's a ball bouncing around the box so it's like impossible for the ball not to hit the red and as time the red gets smaller but the ball still bounces around so some days it will hit the red spot yeah and some days it won't um and usually over time the grief can get smaller but it never will go away so it depends on the the days and you just have to acknowledge that it it will be there but life life still goes on which someone brought up i read an article about the worms being fed to the babadook in the end symbolizes like feeding your grief and acknowledging it in order to make way for new life because worms kind of go into the earth and like eat eat the nutrients to make yeah they're composters like you this grief isn't stopping you from living your life it is just a part of life they eat all the mm-hmm. dead stuff and um, in turn it creates nitrogen from their uh, fecal matter that uh, ends up uh, fertilizing plants and stuff and helping them grow. Yay, science! Yeah! yeah. And then she, it makes way for her to have a better relationship with her son because now, like, I love the 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 uh, juxtaposition of earlier in the film when he says, yeah, my dad died on the way to the hospital when my mom had me. And, like, at first she's like, Samuel, don't say those things. And then, in the end, she's like, yeah, he's very blunt, just like his father. And she, like, pats him on the back, and she's just like, yeah, that's who he is. I broke my cousin's nose in two places. She's to like, be fair, <laughs> she was being a bitch. Yeah. yeah his she was like, your so dad mean. died because of you or something. And it's like, uh, don't say that. Don't say that. You deserve to get punched, kid. I mean, that was a long ramble. Uh, maybe, like, I, I don't think what she said was right, and I don't blame Samuel yeah. very much because he's a kid. But, like, she's also a kid, and kids are just kind of, can be shitty. I mean, on the kid, like, I'm talking, like, on a kid's level, like, that was a completely justified thing for a kid to do because they don't have really don't really have any inhibitions so like it's understandable what he did like again it's kind of like all the things amelia goes through like i wouldn't condone any of it but it's all understandable and it's all like we have this idea that everything has to be um perfectly pictured so that we can emulate it but that's just not how life works life is so much messier and more complicated and people are gonna screw up and that's what i love about this film Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah, well, I like the nuanced look at parenthood, too, because, like, I don't know, there's this idea that the media wants us to believe that, like, oh, parenthood is so perfect and it's the greatest gift that could ever happen, but, like, this movie takes a really honest approach and it's like, no, like, her kid is really freaking annoying sometimes, and... Yeah, the nuclear family is not exactly the perfect model. There are problems that don't have easy solutions or any solutions because no one wants to talk about it. 
Yeah. But at the end of the day, I still do believe that she truly loves her son. Yeah, she like does. It, it strikes that balance so well of, like, showing that she's at her wit's end, but also, like, you know, showing that she still is a caring mother who loves her son. Yeah, I think my, my favorite part that, like, shows that is, like, she, like, snaps at him, and then, like, she's immediately like, why did I do that? And then she, like, lets him have ice cream for breakfast, and then there's, like, two or three scenes where he's having ice cream for breakfast because she tells him to have ice cream for breakfast, and he doesn't realize, like, like, well, he, he, like, realizes what's going on. He's the one that can see the Babadook, but, like, he, he's just, like, I don't know. Ice cream for breakfast. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> He's just, like, kind of confused about why he has to have ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I love that scene, too. And it kind of, that whole uh, dynamic kind of cultivates in the end. I'm just going to break it down really quick because I don't think we did it beat for beat. So the Babadook possesses her and she kills her dog. Sad. That was very sad. <laughs> Yeah, she and, strangles the crap out of her dog. Mm -hmm. and, and then she like, tries to kill Samuel, but he's been preparing this whole movie for the Babadook uh, with weapons and stuff. So he incapacitates her, and yeah, god damn it, I fucking love when love saves the day, but yeah, in like a very of this real movie way. Is so good, yes. Because like I know it's very cheesy because we have this idea that love can fix everything, and it's not. That's not true, but love can make, love can get us through anything. It can sustain us. Lo love can, love can make you do actions, like, like, things that you know you need to do, and you, you can, like, motivate, it's, love is a motivator, I'll say that. That's a better way of trying to explain it. Love I is think a so. motivator. I think that's a good, good way to put it, and once he says, like, I love you, mom, I, I don't care what the Babadook is telling you to do. I know this is the Babadook. This isn't you. I love you. And then that is what causes her to to reject the Babadook and become unpossessed. And then the Babadook tries to take Samuel rather than trying to force Amelia to do it. And this leads to my fucking favorite scene, possibly in horror, where she grabs him back from the Babadook and he like starts to manifest and he's this giant shadow in the dark. And he's, like, screaming at her and showing her visions of her husband. And it's this terrifying onslaught that of this poor woman. And she's just completely broken, but she won't let go of her son. And then she just screams back at the monster, like, If you touch my son again, I'll fucking kill you! You are nothing! And just, it's, they don't even really fight physically. They just, like, start screaming at each other. And, like, she wins simply because she's addressing it. She's telling she's prioritizing she's like i care about my son i'm not gonna let you take him and i'm gonna stand my ground for myself and for my son and it's just so goddamn powerful and then the babadook uh kind of falls to the ground and then runs into the basement and then amelia has to feed the babadook to keep it complacent and in its place in the basement and she and her son start moving on and have um what seems to be a brighter future yeah. He he helps her pick out worms to give the Baba Duck. Yeah, and then he does a little magic trick. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he got a bird. <laughs> he, I don't look so like in his magic trick he like take he like makes a coin show up in his hand and then he like puts the coin in like a tin like a tin like plate or whatever and covers it. And then when he uncovers it there's just a bird in there 
And I don't know where the bird came from. Did this boy have a bird this whole time we didn't know about? <laughs> well, that's part of the... I feel like that fits with the tone of the movie, though, because it's, like, already a very surreal movie. So, like, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. It just feels like something that would happen. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, birds, especially, like, like the... I think it was a dove, I'm pretty sure. Like, a white dove. It's, like, a symbol of, like, peace and tranquility. And so, like... That that makes sense that like her son would like, you know, open open it up and there would be like you know something to symbolize that like you know everything is okay and it's it's calm now because she's managing her her Babadook. I just yeah. didn't know where that bird came from. <laughs> I was very confused. <laughs> there are two other things I think we can talk about in terms of this movie. Um, one thing I'd love to address is just explaining to some people who might not know where the, the meme of the Babadook being a gay icon came from. And then the other is kind of how this movie, I think, was at least the first movie that solidified this horror renaissance that we're in. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are both very good points. Um... I guess we can talk about it being a gay icon first. Because <laughs> that's one of my favorite memes. Um, so yeah, Same. this was like, what, like 2015, 2016? One summer. It was um, it was recent, though. It was like, because this came out in 2014. Yeah. So I think I it was think like it was... 2016 or 17? Yeah, it was like the end of 2016 or early 2017 that this happened. Okay, well, whenever the Babadook got put on Netflix, there was, like, a glitch where it somehow got put in the LGBT category. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that just became a meme. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, They're the like, Babadook's the a gay icon. And then it just exploded yep. <laughs> to the point where, like, now, there are basically so many anytime you go to Pride, there's, like, people dressed as the Babadook. Um, yeah. <laughs> they actually, this past summer... There was a screening of the Babadook. I can't remember if it was the Alamo Draft House that put it on. Someone put on like a special screening and they donated all of the proceeds to like an LGBT organization. Which is awesome. It's and a yeah, wholesome it, meme. It really is. Oh, one of my favorite stories, and I told Marty this while we were watching, is I have a friend who um, is primarily friends with drag queens and they all got drunk one night and they all saw, like, they knew the Babadook meme, but they've never seen it. So one night they were all, like, having fun. They're like, let's watch the Babadook, assuming it was, like, uh, oh, what is it, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or Rocky Horror, where it's kind of a campy gay icon classic that's just kind of fun to watch. And then they all got, like, emotionally broken by the end of the night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that, this movie will do that to you, like... If you're not prepared to, like, be totally, like, distraught by the end of the movie, then, like, it's, it's, like, it's gonna get to you. Yeah. I love how Jennifer Kent's, like, chill with the meme, too. I think an interview came out with her later, and she was like, oh, yeah, I saw that. That was pretty funny. And I think, like, her quote was something like, yeah, I knew that was him just using this as a way to stay in people's minds. And she's like, oh, I thought, ah, oh, you bastard, you're not gonna die that easily, are you? So I kind of, I just love that. That's <laughs> but it's amazing. kind of true. Like, I feel like that's part of the reason why this movie gained such a cult following. I mean, aside from it just being a really, really good movie, um, it's kind of is exactly like that story you told, Hannah, where people are like, maybe want to watch it for the meme, and then they're like, oh, this is actually really, really good. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And then the next thing I kind of wanted to talk about is that while we were, while I was watching the film, I was looking up all the horror movies around this time because I knew the horror renaissance started somewhere around the 2010s, but I wasn't exactly sure what movie really kicked it off because personally, The Babadook is probably the first horror movie I watched where I was like, oh, horror can be a form of art that expresses like these deep emotions we don't want to talk about. So I was like, maybe where does this lie in like the horror renaissance? Because like we are so blessed right now. There are so many good horror movies out there. There's The Vavitch. There's The Lighthouse out right now. Uh, there's Us. There's Get Out. There's um, The Conjuring. Hereditary. Hereditary. Yes. Uh, Midsummer. Um, all these, which I didn't personally like, but it's still a part of the horror renaissance because it's so different and so like interesting. Um, but I was googling, and technically, I could see. Certain articles were arguing that it started with Insidious because it was, like, original and, like, Hmm. James Wan's a really good director. Uh, I think it was, like, one of the beginnings, like, kind of how there's no real beginning to, like, certain eras, like a renaissance or anything, but there's, like, certain things that happen that make you, like, oh, now we're definitely in the renaissance. Because first I think it was Insidious Maybe The Conjuring. Conjuring either came before or after Babadook, so it's... Yeah, Conjuring those... was 2013. Okay, so I that think, Conjuring. Yeah, I think, like, in my... The way I see it, it's, like, Insidious was basically James Wan's, like, test run for The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Like, The Conjuring I'd actually plant in the horror renaissance. Like, oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Although I wouldn't say that it's, like... I don't know. There's, like, a whole genre of, like... I don't really know what to label them, um, but, you know, like, I feel like films like The Babadook and Get Out are, like, almost a different subgenre of horror than, like, something like The Conjuring, which is, like, still, even though it's, like, really, really good and really, really emotional and stuff, it's, like, still pretty solidly in that, like, paranormal slash, like, haunting genre and, like, Mm -hmm. has a lot of tropes of that. Versus, like, movies like The Babadook, it's, like, I don't know, it kind of fits within a different category. But anyways, sorry, that was just, like, a tangent, but... No, that's a good tangent, because that relates what I was about to say, where I think The Babadook, for me, is what starts the horror renaissance for me, because it feels like such a different kind of horror film. Because, like, Mm -hmm. uh, The Conjuring, like you said, it is steeped in these ideas of, like, a witch in a haunted house and, like, ghost hunters. And, like, it's things we've seen before, just done really well. And there was a whole period in the early 2000s where it was just remake after remake. It was, like, Texas Chainsaw and then, like, Freddy vs. Jason. And just there wasn't a lot of new horror being explored that other than, like, torture porn and... Bunch um, of Saw sequels. Yeah, a lot of Saw yeah. sequels. Which, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of things in the early 2000s that are worth exploring and very interesting. But for me, The Babadook and Get Out are these kind of psychological horror films that define this era of horror that we're in. It's more about Mm -hmm. creating this, creating a feeling rather than shocking you. Yeah. I think that's Mm -hmm. a good way to word it. Yeah. So yeah, for me, The Babadook marks the beginning of that. And now we have all these, some of my favorite films within this. Like, we just saw The Lighthouse, and I'd categorize that firmly in the horror renaissance. And it's like, oh, so so good. good. It, like, yeah. does some of the same things, like, not 
not like copy paste but it like has surreal imagery it has it works on like this emotional kind of madness idea and it's just it's great it's great yeah, yeah. um the other interesting thing about this like horror renaissance is that it's a lot of first time filmmakers yeah i mean if you think about it like get out was jordan peele's first film the witch was robert eggers first film um raw was julia de cornell's first film and the babadook was jennifer kent's first film so i really love that like we're also highlighting up-and-coming filmmakers yeah, and yeah. all of these people have been in the industry for such a long time learning their crafts. Like, I know the director of The Vivitch was um, a production designer for the longest time, and then he finally could hone his his knowledge and his craft into this puritanical horror film, uh, and now The Lighthouse. And, like, Jordan Peele had, like, a lot of knowledge of horror movies and pop culture from being a comedian and an actor for a long yeah. time. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say with Jordan Peele, like, basically any skit that he did on Key and Peele is basically, like, an audition for him to, to, like, create, like, a horror film. There are so many, like, surreal kind of, like, commentaries on, like, a lot of just, like, everyday things. And he frames them as funny in his shorts, but, like, you know, if you actually, like, sit down and, like, watch them and think about them, they're actually kind of scary. <laughs> so, yeah, I I love his stuff. Same kind of deal with Jennifer Kent, where she was an actress for a really long time, and then she worked uh, as, like, alongside directors, seeing how they did things and working very closely with DPs, and, and now we yeah. have the Babadook and the Nightingale, and it's just... I don't know, I just really love this, that people are finally getting an opportunity to step in as directors and it's it's not dumb luck that these people are doing so well right out of the gate it's it's like this culmination of learning every aspect of their craft and yeah. doing it so well because they have an understanding of it mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, like you said like it's it's people who didn't necessarily go to school to become directors or like wanted to be directors right out the gate these are people who kind of basically decided that they had stories to tell and went for it, you know, as soon as they could. Well, and most of um, the interviews I've read with Jennifer Kent and Jordan Peele and, um, oh, what's his name, Eggers something? Robert Eggers. Yeah, they, they worked as actors, all of them actually, and they just weren't compelled by the stories that they were telling. Like, they found it very hard to step in front of the camera when they just weren't compelled by what was being said. And all of their films are so compelling in such different ways. And Jennifer Kent, I... Again, this is this is probably the horror movie that affects me the most. I don't know if I can say it's my favorite, but it's one that I'm so emotionally tied to that I just don't really have anything negative to say about it. Yeah. I feel the same way. This is, like, a film I would definitely give a 10 out of 10. Like, I don't really do that. I don't really necessarily uphold a... a a number-based rating system, but, like, but, like, essentially I consider this to be a perfect film, or, like, as near to perfect as a film can get, yeah. anyways. Yeah, this one's pretty, you know, it's, it's very emotional, very, like, you can tell, like, this is a message that was, you know, in Jennifer Kent's mind when she was writing it. It's, like, you know, it's, it's, like, steeped in in like you know emotion and like you know vulnerability and 
um, it's, it's very effective. It affected me a lot. Um, we were sitting there and, like, there were a couple of times when I would just, like, kind of start crying a little bit because it, like, just, it's very effective. <laughs> My favorite kind of media is the stories where I forget I'm watching a story and I just feel so incredibly connected to these people because there's a moment you you can get caught up in the trappings of like oh yes this is a nice setup for a later payoff or like this is a nice arc or oh yes the cinematography here hmm very good um when you can get into a critical mindset but my favorite moments is when all of that just falls away and I'm just in the moment with these characters and I don't have to I, I mean I will uh later on but while I'm watching I can just be fully absorbed in this moment and I think we we think of some people think of art as like an escape but it's it doesn't have to be like the the experience I have watching the Babadook and watching films like Nightingale that she also did are valuable to me and my experience in life and I think watching movies like these make me so grateful for film and media because they do something that no one else can do is they create a moment that can endure and exist like when you watch a play it's over it's in that moment but with the Babadook it endures I can watch it anytime and I'll still feel like she's like reaching into my chest and squeezing my heart and I'll still feel scared and empowered and just I this this movie makes me love movies and love yeah. being alive being scared yeah. and being strong yeah yeah, you can't get rid of the Babadook. You can't scream at him, and it goes to your basement. Yeah, th this is one of those movies that definitely you don't have to, like, sit down and, like, explain why you liked it. You can just say, I liked it, and, like, you know, it's one of those, it, 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 like, speaks to you, and, like, you don't even, like, have to, like, hear anything specific being said out of the characters' mouths or anything. You just get it. Y you know? Yeah. Yes. But I also don't want to, like, underemphasize, like, the sound design and the cinematography and all the crafting yeah, that I went mean, into like, creating all, this moment is awesome. It's, like, it's so extremely, like, well-crafted and, like, but, like, you don't even, the, the best part is that you don't notice it. And, like, you, you can just, like, you know, just have that experience and it's so well- you know well worked together like all of the elements of this film work together into a piece that like you don't even have to think about liking or not liking or anything you just sit there and watch it and you know you get it mm -hmm. all right do you guys have anything else to add um when i first watched this movie uh um it was like summer of 2016 I think and uh I wasn't scared by it I was in a I was, well I'll, I'll preface this as saying like I was like in a really bad place depression wise but like the first time I watched this the only thing that scared me was like the part with the pop-up book and like it just like flipped up really fast and it scared me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like when I when I first watched this movie it was like you know Oh, yeah, that's how it be. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I'm better now. I'm more in the end part of this movie than I was in 
the beginning part of this movie when I first watched it. So, uh, but yeah, it's a very important movie um, to me, basically just because like it gets the experience of being like in pain and you know grief stricken and depressed. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. I just wanted to say that the oh. pop-up scared me, and then yeah. I went into all that tangent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I I just don't have enough good things to say about this film, because, uh, like, when I first watched it, it helped me give a, a name to something I was going through that I didn't quite understand. And I know a lot of people can't get into horror movies, and I was one of them for a really long time, and then... The Babadook was one of the first movies that made me understand the appeal of horror movies because there are so many things we're scared of all the time that we can't put a label on and we can't fix easily and we can't even see. And sometimes we think there's something wrong with us, but that's not the case. It's just that life is hard and can be really scary, but horror movies do this thing where it gives it a face, it gives it a name, it gives it rules, and it gives it gives us a, a new perspective on that fear and allows us to understand it in the real world as we understand it in the fake world. And I think fear is something we we don't want to look at, we don't want to address, but when we do, it never tends to be as bad or as out of control as we think it may be. Because, like, Amelia may just be, like, quote-unquote, just a housewife or just a single mother, well, she wasn't just a housewife, she had a job. Uh, but she was strong enough to face this boogeyman and this this indefinable thing. And that makes us realize that we are also strong enough to face the unknown things in our lives that we don't yet know the answer to, but we are strong enough to face it and beat it anyway. And that's what yeah. I love about The Babadook, and that's what I love about horror films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, like, even most most therapists and most professionals will tell you like psychologically the healthiest way to cope with depression or with a lot of like mental illness of any kind is to externalize it and like give it a name and separate it from yourself um so like i think horror is a good way to do that actually it's a really good coping mechanism if you can relate your situation to the situations of these characters and say okay I have these feelings, but it's not me, and it doesn't define who I am. Um, and then be able to externalize it. Which, you know, is kind of what Amelia does in the movie. I mean, she is able to separate herself from the Babadook and say, okay, this is a different entity. This does not control me. You know, it's here, but it's not gonna take over my life. That's one of the, um, from what I've heard, that's like one of the best ways to cope with anxiety. Um, is to, like, you know, uh, basically imagine it as an entity that, um, is separate from yourself because then you're able to manage it better. Um, it's just like, it's just like your little buddy monster that's just there and you gotta talk to it or whatever you need to do to, you know, get through whatever it is that's causing anxiety. Yeah. Alright, I think that wraps us up. Yeah, um, this is kind of heavy. <laughs> it's but heavy, it's but I mean, it's yes, it's fitting for this movie. 
So, uh, yeah, thank you guys again for everyone who voted in the poll and recommended stuff to us. Um, we have a pretty cool lineup planned for November. Yeah. Um, we're gonna have some guests, possibly, so stay tuned yeah. for that. Thank you for listening to us, and happy Halloween, by the way. Happy Spooky Pride! Yeah, Spooky happy Pride! Halloween. May you be Baba um, Shook! Go dance! Yes! Yes, this was a really good one to pick for for Spooky Pride, just because of like the the memes of the Babadook being gay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this is just a really good Spooky way to end gay. this week, or not this week, but this month. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we ended on on a good note here. Um, and again, please go donate to our Patreon and join in our Spooky Pride drive. We really appreciate it. And, um, even if you can't donate any money, still go check out Lunar Light Studio, and even just, like, listening to us is a great form of support. Go check out some of the other podcasts there. Um, they're all really, really good, and created by the most wonderful and sweet and kind and talented people, and we love them very much. Um... Yes. Let me give a special shout out to Trans Questioning because that's like getting me through some stuff right now. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Woo! Um, yeah, you can find Netflix and Kill at on Twitter at Netflix underscore in underscore kill. Um, we occasionally put up polls and take suggestions, so keep an eye out for that. And um, my personal Twitter is Kai the Jedi. My my Twitter is at Frosty the R Zero Bot. I have uh, links to my art Twitter up there. Um, I'm taking commissions right now, mainly because uh, that's kind of the only way I can like uh, be able to like pay for some stuff while I'm uh, in college and on campus and stuff. It's my last year. And I'm out of money. <laughs> um, so that would be greatly appreciated if y'all could, like, check out my art at least and, like, give it a, like, it's a retweet. It's so good. Also, Kai's as well. It is really Yours good. and Kai's yeah. are so, so good. Well, thank you. They got me thank Baba you. Shook. You got anything to plug, Hannah? You can find me under your bed or in your closet doing a shaka death drop in my Baba Duck Drag King outfit. Yes! Um, hell yeah! Not, God, I wish that were true. I'm not a drag king yet, perhaps. I yet. I don't tend to plug my personal Twitter just because I don't really have my own personal established brand yet, but, like, you know, I still like to plug other people's stuff. So just, like Kai said, check out Marty Marty's art, check out Kai's art, uh, check out the rest of Lunar Light Studios. It's all good. Um, And, yeah. Open your closet if you ever want to see some beautiful death drops and some spooky hijinks. It's me. Yeah. Some, some Baba twerking. Yeah, Baba twerk. Baba boom, there it is. Alright, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. May your nightmares be plentiful. Mm-hmm.